Um, so open up to Matthew chapter 2, should be easy to find. And let's do a couple corrections here um, for the, the Oak Bridge All Branches Retreat. We're not trying to get singles there. Let's just correct that right now. What we're trying to do is dispel the myth that it's for people with kids to get away, to give their kids a camp. So that's what we're trying to do. So Shane, it's always a little, we love him being up here because I want him to give the mic because you never know what he's going to say. And I, and knowing that, I challenged him to share something and he said, where is Shane by the way? I want to make sure I can see him. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's funny because if, if Jen were up here with him, she would just be ramming her elbow into him. He's like, I go, I want you to keep doing it because we just never know you were going to go. It's like a train wreck. Keep doing it. So I challenged him last night. Um, my wife reminded him that he had a special thing happen this week. And I said, you got to slip that in when you're up there. And he goes, challenge accepted. And you failed the challenge. You think so? Well, there is going to be, I, don't, I think that might mess up the spiritual content. So I just want to say right now that be gentle with Shane. He had a procedure done. That's all I will say. That's all I will say about that. Victory for Shane. I'll just leave it at that. You want to know, he'll give you the details. <laughs> all right, so now that we are completely off the rails, um, so we, this, is, this is the final Sunday. We will be doing this on Christmas Eve, but we've been talking about this being a, Christmas is a Jewish holiday. If you don't know that, this is the fulfillment of the promises that were given to the Jewish people. And if you are not Jewish like myself, you were grafted in. And so, but this is the fulfillment of the promise to the people of Israel, not the, the land as much as to the people. And so these people are given this promise of a Messiah, and that's what we're celebrating. And so it makes sense for us to look into this heritage and the, the depth of what's happening here. So let's start, and I'm going to show you, um, we're going to swim underwater like we talked about last week under the ocean and see more things that we didn't know were there. So in Matthew chapter 2, um, actually let's go to Matthew 1 because I want us to take a step back here and look at Joseph because there's some stuff that we could have missed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start at Joseph, uh, uh, with Joseph here in Matthew 1, 18, and we're going to go all the way through and I'm just going to take us through under the water. So Father, I ask that um, what you want to be shared would be shared that we would hold on to what you want us to hold on to. That's why we look into your word, Lord, because we want to hear from you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So they're engaged right now. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, so, wait. They're engaged, but Joseph is being called the husband. That's because there's Jewish tradition here that we, if you're not Jewish, don't know about. There's, there's three stages that I'm going to share here in a little bit, but if you didn't know that Jesus was Jewish, we're going to let you know that now. If you didn't know that Mary and Joseph were Jewish, we're going to let you know that now. But I think that I needed a little help to communicate the heritage here. And so I've got a video clip that I want to show you um, 
that I think will bring some light to where we're going with this passage. So if you could show that, E, that'd be fantastic. Wow. Looks like somebody got a name, Woodshot. <laughs> yeah, that's always been kind of a hobby. I whittled that out of beech wood. Huh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, so what got you into uh, carpentering? Carpentering? <laughs> I guess I'd have to say Jesus. He was a carpenter, and I just figured if you're going to follow in someone's footsteps, who better than Christ? Hmm. Greg's Jewish. Are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so was JC. Wow, you're in good company. <laughs> ah. Right. <clears throat> well, I'm going to head to the pool, but why don't you show Greg and Pam your gifts? Ah, made a gift. Great. Now, I just put a fresh coat of lacquer on this this morning, so bear with me with the fumes. Wow. Kev. Isn't that something? That's incredible. Thank you. Roses, Deb's favorite. Yes, right. It's beautiful. The little holes of her candles. Well, guess. exactly, and then later they'll collect rainfall and make a tiny bird bath. That's great. Yeah, it's, a... it's beautiful. What is it? It's an altar, or you might call it a chopa. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> I'm gonna take it over to the Burns's, and tomorrow Robert and Deborah will meet beneath it to become man and wife. And later, when they purchase a home, maybe it'll grace their garden. And that's my sappy romantic idea. Must <laughs> <laughs> uh, take forever to build. Yeah, not too bad, about 70 hours. Which isn't bad, considering I carved it all by hand from one piece of wood. Hey, Kevo, 12.15, time to start the barbecue, big guy. Okay, Mr. B. I better get back to playing host. Okay, you guys, you just grab your suits, okay. and I'll meet you down at the pool. So, you know you're probably wondering how we're going to bring this back. Oh, let me show you. Okay, so the hopa. I don't think that's really how you pronounce it, but that actually is part of the tradition. So you're wondering, how is he bringing this back right now? Oh, I will show you. So Matthew and Joseph, I mean, Joseph and Mary were engaged. There were three stages. Two of those are actually still um, done today in the Jewish culture. They would be, the first one would be the be an arranged marriage. Then would become the engagement period. And they would come to the hopa, and they would make their promises to each other and then they would go back to their separate houses. There would be no intimate relations. So they would make their promises, their engagement would begin at the hopa, and then they would leave, and then he would prepare their home, and she would prepare her dowry, which she's going to bring to the family. And then they would come back to the hopa, and they would get married. Okay? The deal is, though, that in the Jewish culture, when you get engaged, that's a big deal. Like right now, you can get engaged and go, I'm just not feeling it, and text them. Yeah, I think we're done. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we, it's a totally different deal today than it was then. So much so that if you hear this again, you understand the depth. Because if you were going to annul the engagement, you would actually have to, like, file paperwork. It was a public situation because you were becoming divorced. Once you're engaged, you're going to get married. And if you're not, then it's a public thing. So that's why it says here um, that Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her 
the public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But then this is what happened. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Because you would have to appear to a man in a dream to say, no, no, seriously. I know you think that she slept with another man, but no, this didn't happen. Right? Like something big is going to have to happen. A bush is going to have to burn or an angel is going to have to show up to keep you on track here. Joseph, this is what the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in Hebrew is is Yeshua, and the core of that is Yasa, which means to save. So he's given in this name, so imagine if you had a child, oh, I'm going to name my son, the Lord saves. Like, that's kind of a long word, isn't it? But that's traditional here and if you're going to give that name that's a lot of responsibility on that name right so if you name your son winner he better win a lot right like you just gave him that name there's so much depth here and so Jesus gets this name because he is the anointed one he's the messiah all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet and we talked about this a couple weeks ago the virgin will conceive And give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're going to go through this story, a very familiar story to you. But I want this to be the thread that goes through this whole story this morning. I want you to hear this thread through what's happening. God fulfills his promise. There is a promise, and it's kept. You know, Joseph right now needs to hear that like you just read to the oh he was angry okay a little little irritated i think it was a little more than anger and irritation i think it was extreme disappointment extreme sadness confusion shane said earlier that um you know during this season many of us are probably going through difficult times i'd like to add to that i think every season you're going through difficult times because that's what life is and Joseph is hitting one of those moments. You know those moments where you're like, you know you're going to pray because you have nothing else to do? I know that Joseph had to have prayed going, God, seriously? Like, I follow you, I'm walking with you, and you give me this situation? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then the angel gives him a promise. And then we see that it's fulfillment of another promise. That the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. We've been going through all of these prophecies. And when you say prophecy, you think of one thing. When you say promise, you think of another thing. But that's all the prophecies are, are promises. But they're promises that this will happen. If I promise you that I'm going to give you $100 by January 1st, and I give it to you, we could also call that a prophecy, couldn't we? Because if it actually happens, then then I was very prophetic. I came through, right? Now, of course, prophecy has a little more of the ooh to it, right? Like, how did you know? But this is God. Why are we so amazed that there's prophecies all through the word of God? He's God. When he promises, it's going to go down. And when it's done centuries before, we shouldn't be surprised. It shouldn't shock us that 600 years prior that Isaiah from the Lord said, look, There will be a virgin, and she will give birth to a child, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. 
it's just the fulfillment of a promise, right? And as we've been going through this pro- these promises, when they're fulfilled, the reality is when it comes from God and through centuries, it does something to us. It gives us that affirmation like, wow, God really is with us. Like, there is an intelligent, intelligent design behind all of this. It builds our faith. It encourages us. And on top of that, especially these prophecies, these promises, these promises fulfilled, it confirms and builds our faith that Jesus is the divine Son of God. And just like Joseph, we're going to hit times where we need to be reminded of that. And that's what this season can do if we will step back and see what's happening. Let's keep going. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And this was actually eight eight days later. That's when you give the official name. Chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I want to talk about these magi for a little bit here because there's so much here that I don't want you to miss. So, how many magi were there? No. (laughs) See, that's just just not cool, was it? I just threw that up there. It doesn't say there were three. In fact, we don't know how many there were. We know the word magi. We know it's plural, so we know there's at least two. But nowhere does it say that there were only three. In fact, it could have been just two. The reason we say three is because we think of um, that, they bought gold, that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, of course, we imagine, I've got one box. I've got the other box. I'm right with you. Here's the myrrh. Like, we think they're all walking in. And as we talked about before, they weren't there the night of. In fact, they probably came almost two years later. I know, it's going to really kind of mess up your scene on uh, Christmas Eve when you see them all up there, but it's okay. We'll have the kings a little bit off because they're on their way. They're going to get there eventually. Um, But who are these magi? Like, what is the significance? And there is so much significance here. It's amazing. So magi um, is, it's a Greek word, and it refers to these these wise men. Wise meaning they're smart, not just, hey, I kind of know how things work. They're like, almost scientists, or they look at the stars, astrologists, astronomers. We don't really have a word that fits well for them. Um, And we know that when you say they came from the east, what that means is, and if you look in the Bible, it means they come from Mesopotamia. So if you ever hear the Jewish people say, hey, it's from the east, it doesn't mean just over the hill usually. It almost always refers to the people of Mesopotamia or Babylon. Um, and when you think of the Babylonians, you think of that situation, you're like, wait, aren't they the bad people? Because they took um, the people of Israel and took them captives when they were the bigwigs. Because at one time it wasn't Rome, it was them that had their huge empire. So we've got these magi, we know they're, they're somehow connected with Babylon. We don't know if they actually came from Babylon itself or they more likely came from Arabia, which we'll get to here in a little bit. By the way, this all has a point, just like my video clip. So they're coming, but why? Why in the world would Babylonians want to come? It says here um, that they came to King Herod, and they said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
Why do they care? Now, they're from Babylon. We know from the Bible, if you go to the book of Daniel, we know a lot of what happened there because Daniel was there during the time of the Babylonian exile. Now, Daniel actually saved some of these magi, these astronomers, these scientists, because Nebuchadnezzar would look, he was the king, he would look to these men for wisdom. And so he was having these crazy dreams. And this may start clicking your memory if you've ever read through Daniel or heard the stories. So he had these crazy dreams and he couldn't understand them, so he went to his wise men, his magi, and said, interpret these dreams for me. And they couldn't. So he threw them in jail. Threw them in jail. And while they were there, Daniel heard about this, and he's like, I can do it. Daniel was a man of God. He was a Hebrew, but he was was a man of God, and he heard from the Lord, and he could interpret dreams. And so they brought him to the king. And when they brought him to the king, he, he told Nebuchadnezzar what his dream meant, and he understood it to be true, Nebuchadnezzar did. And so then he freed all the rest of the magi, and he made Daniel the boss of all of the magi. Didn't think about that before. You never made that connection, but that's who they are. That's who the Magi are. That's where they come from. That's the heritage. And so here you have Daniel, a man of God, who is now sitting with him. And he, when, you think they're going to keep looking at the stars all the time? No. They're going to go, wait, you did what? How did you do this? There's a living God? They're going to take science and they're going to merge it with faith. And they're going to see that the man, the God man who put the stars in place knows how it all works. And so you know that some of these magi had to have come to faith because they're with Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and those guys. So here we have this tradition, okay? Well, I want to show you something else. It's absolutely amazing. Let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 9 here. So Daniel, if we look at uh, chapter 7 and on, are all of these prophecies about the Messiah. Now, you have to think, Daniel is with his people, and they're not in their homeland. And that's a big deal to the Jewish nation. And so he wants to go home. And they've been in exile for almost 70 years now. And he knows from the scriptures that they're going to be in exile for 70 years, because that was prophesied. And so he's begging God, saying, look, I know all that we've done. I know all the sins and all the ways that we fall short, God. But please, in this soon. And he's just begging and pleading and laying out and confessing to God all of the ways that the people of Israel have failed. He's in a situation, much like Joseph. He's in a situation where he's turning to God and going, can you just get us out of this? I need a promise. And then we see that Gabriel, the angel Gabriel shows up. The same Gabriel that we see here in the birth stories of Jesus. And he comes and he tells him, you know what, I know you think it's going to be 70 years, but let me set you straight on when the Messiah is going to show up. Gives it to us by the year of when the anointed one is going to show up. And so he says this in starting verse, I'm only going to give you a couple verses. This is so complicated, I want to try to make it a little simpler. Daniel 9, 25 and 26. Know and understand this, Daniel. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death 
and will have nothing. This is a little confusing, and I was going to give you charts, and I was going to bring up the whiteboard. I know how much you guys like the whiteboard, but I decided not to bring it up. Basically, what he's saying is, listen, from the time that the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, like the city walls and the city of Jerusalem, it will be 483 years. That's what that 62 sevens and all that, it's 483 years. Then it will be rebuilt, and after the 62 sevens, then the anointed one will be put to death. Now, does that make much sense? Hey, this is what's going to happen. The anointed one's coming, and then he's going to be put to death. Like, that doesn't just sound like the typical Christmas special where the anointed one comes, and then he's going to be put to death. But he's trying to tell you the truth. This is the promise. Daniel, I know you think it's only going to be 70 years, but it's going to be 483 years till the anointed one shows up. So you have these magi that are going to know this. They're going to hear this. And, of course, they're, sp- they're scattered eventually because Babylon is no longer the empire. And so you have these magi. You have these, these wise men who have been influenced. And many of them brought to faith because of Daniel who are going to know about this prophecy. That says that 483 years after this promise, this promise of when Jerusalem is built back, and we know from Nehemiah that's most likely 400, the year 444, and I'm not going to do all the math for you, but it takes you to the saying that before the year 33, the Messiah will have come and died. Isn't that freaking you out? Because that freaks me out. Like, this is the only time in the Old Testament it says you want to know when the Messiah is going to come? Bam. Here it is. In this window right here is when the Messiah is going to come. So we look at these magi and we think, why are they coming? And how do they know to come? Because they knew. This is a couple things that sticks out to me about God. Because this is not just, oh, well, what does that have to do with me? This is about God. The thing is that I'm noticing about God is he always fulfills his promises. He always does what he says he's going to do when he says he's going to do it. And here's the other annoying thing about God. He's never in a hurry. Like 70 years seems like a pretty long time to me. And if I'm in Daniel's situation, I'm like, hey, you know, it's kind of cool that you put me in charge of all this stuff, but this situation is lame. I want to get out of this situation. This is not what I want for me and especially for our people. Get us out of there. We've been doing this for like 70 years. Like you're going to finish this, right? Yeah, no, that 70 years is true, But no, the Messiah is not coming for 483 years. Like, seriously? Like, think of the situations you're in right now. Like, wouldn't that, like, I want it now. I want it by Christmas. Like, that's what my kids tell me. Like, we all know how it is. Like, you just got to hold up. Okay, I'll give you a little present ahead of time to hold you over. How many of you are going to give out presents on Christmas Eve? Come on, shoot straight. Oh, no, no, really. I'm a really good parent. I make him wait. Yeah, exactly. All of you give in to one degree or another. Because we're like, oh, I don't want to make our kids wait. God is never in a hurry. And the other thing is he never does it the way we think it should be done. I, sit, I, I put that little request up there. What, do you, what promise do you want from God this season? Because we do that. We take our promises and we, we, we go, God, can you give it to me like this? Or we take the actual promises that he gives And we want to tweak it so that it works out the way we want it to work out. 
when you look at this birth story, it's like, seriously? Is this the way it's going to work? Like, this is not the way, like, can you imagine Mary? Wait, what do I have to go through? Why couldn't we have done, like, I'm going to be disgraced by everyone. I'm going to get pregnant before I'm married? You know how that's going to fly? How am I going to hide? Lord, let it be done unto me as you say. Joseph, really? God, seriously, you're going to do it this way? Wasn't there another way to do it? How, how many times do we do that? God, do we have to go this way? Couldn't we go this way? Do not imagine for a second that they did not have that conversation with God. They're human. So when King Herod heard from these magi, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teacher of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Two things I want you to see from this. You need to know about King Herod, because if you know about King Herod, you understand that the people, that Matthew and Joseph have bigger problems on top of their situation. They have Herod. Okay, we talked about Babylonia, they were taken out, they came back, and now the Romans are in charge. There's a whole succession of different foreigners that have kind of been in charge. Herod is, is about as bad as it gets. Um, Herod is Arab, um, which is basically where the Magi come from, the, from Arabia. And, um, but he is Jewish by his faith, kind of believes, but he never practices. It's kind of like it was born into, he's born into that. But his passion is Greek. In fact, he wanted to make, um, he wanted to make this area, he wanted to make it uh, a Greek city, like, because he's really excited and influenced by the Greeks. But he's also really disturbed. And he's really messed up. In fact, he's so paranoid and worried about um, people taking over his power that he even had three of his sons murdered because he was afraid they were going to take power. Who does that? He was married ten times. I don't mean he got married, got divorced, got married. I mean, he just had ten wives. And so he's got kids everywhere. So he has all this paranoia around him. And he had one of his wives, which was his, his favorite, and her name sounds like Marianne, but it's Mary Yamna, and that was his favorite wife. But he got started getting sketched out and paranoid about her taking over power, so he had her murdered. And then, because he was losing his mind, he would wander around the halls going, Miriam, Miriam, Marian, and he'd start saying her name all the time and say, tell all of his servants and the people that worked in the palace, bring her here. Uh, can't really do that. So then he'd have them beat up because they couldn't bring her there. He's not all there. And so when he hears, when he hears this, he was disturbed. Of course. What do you mean? There's a child that's supposed to be born the king of the Jews? Now, he's Jewish in his faith. He's not following God in the least. But then he calls together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Why would he do that? Because God promised. He made it clear where the Messiah was to be born. 483 years, and this is where. And so the priests, they don't understand what's happening here, and so they say to him, Oh, um, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. There's a slide up here for it. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
So then Herod called these magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. So after they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Okay, I don't have time to explain this, but oh, I wish I did. We're not talking about a literal star. If you look in the Old Testament, there's several instances, more than several, where God specifically has to show up as brilliance or light. It's called the Shekinah glory. And so that's how the star goes up and down and side to side and rests over a house. So don't imagine this burning sun coming down and igniting the entire earth over Bethlehem. So that's what that star means. It means brilliance. That's what it means in Hebrew. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Picture that. We don't know how many there were. There could have been two. There could have been like 50. And they're coming not with little tiny boxes. We don't know. Maybe they had one piece of gold. Maybe they have several. But they came with gold. And gold is the symbol of royalty. And so they bring this before this baby. Like what? Isn't this a little bit weird? Like why are you coming before this baby? Because they know that this is the chosen one. That their entire culture has been waiting 483 years for. And they look at the situation happening around the world, and they're just bowing before him. When I think of our worship leaders up here, I think of them like the Magi. What they're doing is they're just coming before God with their gifts. I mean, can you imagine, like, Joseph and Mary just watching this scene? I mean, they, they're going to they're gonna move away from just thinking, oh, that's my kid, to going, whoa, this is bigger than us. And they come bringing these gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these are not random mentions here. Matthew is writing this gospel to the Jewish people because he wants them so badly to know, look, this Messiah is a promise to us. And so when he talks about the gold and the frankincense, they're going to know about that promise because that promise is in Isaiah 60. And in Isaiah 60, it talks about these men from the east. And it gives you these cities where they're coming from. And those cities are in Arabia. And it says they're going to come and they're going to bring gold and frankincense. And frankincense and myrrh, just so you know, they come only from trees in Arabia. And so they bring these. And this prophecy is here that's going to come. And the people, when they heard that prophecy, thought, oh, that's for Jerusalem. Because they were idolizing their city. Again, they had plans. So this promise is about the city. No, no, no. This promise is about the Messiah. Matthew's trying to tell them, look, I know you thought the promise was going to come this way, but it comes this way. And then the myrrh. And the frankincense was like an incense that was, that was released at the temple for the Holy of Holies. So that frankincense is a symbol. And they would all know, oh, this is, this is implying the divine. Like you're bringing gifts for the divine. And then the myrrh. The myrrh is a little bit of a surprise. They didn't see that one coming because the myrrh is, is it's like a sap and it's used for embalming. It's used for death. And so you have this Messiah, this chosen one, 
and the fulfillment of the promises, he will be royalty from King David. But he's also divine, and he will also die. And sure enough, this Messiah is going to die before the 483 years are up. So here in verse 13, we see, well, let's go up a little bit. Verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they, the Magi, returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled another promise. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. This season is just promise after promise after promise. God showing up when he said he was going to show up and how he said he was going to show up. Not how we want him to show up, not how we'd like it to work out, but how God does things. I mean, how many times, if it's me, this is what I'm asking God. Why in the world are you letting him go through this? In fact, Herod goes on and decides to kill all the, all the babies under the age of two in the area. For real, God? Like, you promised us, when are you going to take care of this stuff? And I don't know why God does what he does. I don't know why we've had to wait so long for Porter to get out of the hospital. Like, Kim and Joey are just f- a faithful man and woman. They're such beautiful people. God, Why? But I know this, I know this is what God promises, that he will be with us through this. But he doesn't promise that he's going to take us out of these situations. He's never promised that. I mean, you've got Herod here, you've got Nebuchadnezzar, you've got all of these situations. And you're like, God, seriously, can you give me the promise I want? But this is, this is a time for us to step back and to see what God has done and to know That he will fulfill his promises, but he never promises to do it the way we want it to be done. In fact, I want to close with this. I want us to go back to the promise that he gives to Joseph. So if we could put that slide up. He says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. And save his people from this weird situation of my wife being pregnant, but we're not married yet. He's going to save his people from this Herod guy who's lost his mind and is doing all these crazy things to us. No. What is the promise? Because we read into what we want to hear, don't we? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And it's so easy for us to make Christmas so flowery that we forget he came so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Not the people we blame, not the ones that we think are more important, like, yeah, but look at what Herod's doing. Look about Nebuchadnezzar. Look at that person. Look at No, this is a time for us to stop and realize that this son, This Messiah, this anointed one that was promised to Daniel 
when he's sitting there, remember what he was doing. He was saying, Lord, forgive us. Look at what we've done. We've done this. We've done this. We've done this. And the promise is, look, there will be a Messiah that comes. And all of the people will be forgiven of their sins. This is a time for you to realize that the promise is that you are forgiven. And, as, and when you start to doubt that and go, but, but what about, but what about, think of all of this stuff that happened. Think of the people that were there that night. We've got two people. I'll close with this. We've got two people. They're standing there, and the Magi are coming. Let's say they were there to witness when the shepherds came. They got to see all of this happen, and here's this child, and they're stepping back, and, and they're looking at this. Two different people. One person is going to know all this history, and they're going to look at this and go, that is an amazing coincidence. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's just weird. And then there's going to be another person that says, he is God. God is faithful. I am forgiven of my sins. This child came for me and for all of us to be forgiven of our sins so that we can be set right with God. God is true to his word. And what you have to decide during the season, you have to decide in any season, is this a coincidence? Or is this the anointed one who would come to have people be forgiven of their sins? When I was coming this morning, I was sitting in the back with somebody, and they go, wow, you're sighing a lot. And I went, because I got so much stuff going through my head. I got prophecies spinning in my head. I left a ton of it out. So I'm assuming your head's spinning a little bit. If that's okay. Let's look at the last scripture here. Because I want you to be this person. I want you to be that person in Matthew 13 that is told this. Can you go to that slide, Evan? Basically what it says is that prophets and kings longed to see what you are seeing. Prophets and kings longed to see the fulfillment of these promises. Can you please stand up with me in prayer? We're going to have the worship team come up. And these songs that they're going to finish with are songs, are prayers that give us time to kind of soak this up. And I know I gave you a lot to think about. Um, but I hope that during this time and especially during the rest of the season that you can kind of soak through these. Look them up on your own and look through these promises and then decide where do you stand. Is this a coincidence or is this the Son of God? Father, I thank you for man, these crazy, amazing things, um, these promises, these prophecies. Father, I thank you for these uh, magi who were so patient. I, I don't know if my, if my ancestors would follow through 483 years later, but they can. And Lord, we want to, like them, adore you. We, like them, want to uh, give you praise. Like Daniel, Lord, we want to confess before you that we fall way short. But your promise to us is not based on who we are, but based on who you are. And we promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. We, we confess to you that we wish you were in a little bit more of a hurry than us. But grow in us patience. Grow in us to never be in a hurry like you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.
Uh, during this time, uh, we'll take the offering. So if you're a visitor, please just put your connection card in there. Um, and for those for branches, it's there for your convenience. Okay. <clears throat> so this first song that we're going to do is a song that's going to kind of walk us through after Jesus was born, the different ways in which he fulfilled prophecies and uh, came to heal and to save people. So I'd encourage you maybe as you worship to kind of um, revisit that or focus on that um, and pray about that. And kind of like Book said, if, it's, if it was truly prophecy being fulfilled. He turned the water into wine. He turned the water into wine. In a little bitty Cana town, the word went all around. He turned the water into wine. He fed the hungry multitude.
was just such a good message. Uh, I love all the prophecy and stuff. I wish I could, like, st- I mean, I could. <laughs> but I wish I had the ability to just, like, study all that prophecy and see how it all comes together. And I love just how Boog presented that this morning. I know there was a lot of thoughts and stuff. But just get your mind thinking of how amazing all the prophecy that's told about Jesus. And then just that he came and it was right on. And uh, I just love that. And I just uh, challenge you guys as for me this season is a challenge just to be like the Magi and just show up and worship Jesus. Um, I don't know. It's just a big week. I just, uh, let me just pray for us. Father God, um, thank you for being, just for being so truthful in what you tell us and your promises, Lord. You come through on your promises every time, Lord. And, um, we thank you for that. We thank you for the promise of your son, Jesus, and that he came and that he died so that we'd be forgiven for our sins. Not that he came so that we could have everything we want in this world, but that we would have the one thing that's most important is that we would be forgiven of our sins. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that we would um, remember that this season, this week, that we would be like the Magi, that we would just show up and uh, worship you. And we just pray all this in your name. Amen. Okay, so... If you have kids, please go get the kiddos. Uh, Sign up for Oak Bridge, not just singles, everybody. Um, And uh, just have a great week. And if you need any prayer and healing, please, uh, I always leave this one. Okay. If you need prayer and healing, please meet us outside. Um, Any kind of prayer, any kind of healing, we'd love to pray over you. Uh, it's, It's the real deal. All right. Oh, and see the Bali House. All right. Jealous for me, 